human effort cannot save the soul. Did you hear that? Aren't you glad about that? That human effort can never save a soul. The Bible also has shown us that rituals like religion, like rituals like um, baptism and sacraments, rituals like ceremonies, they can't save a soul either. They can't save a soul. And today's verses show us that keeping the law, attempting to obey every I and every T of the law, it can't save your soul either. The truth of Scripture is this. Are you listening? Say amen. amen. The truth of Scripture is this. Nothing you can do can save your soul. It is not, nor has it ever been about what you do. Salvation, being saved, rests entirely in who you know. And his name is Jesus Christ. This is what Paul wants to teach us today. He wants us to learn that the law is a system of works. But faith is a system that works. Do you hear that? System. Faith is a system that works. And Dr. Alan Carr has quoted this saying, you can never become by doing all that you can become by believing. You can never become by doing all that you can become by believing in the Lord Jesus. Today we're going to see that where the law fails, faith prevails. And it begins with this, the problems of the law. If you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. I believe that's still on page 1001 uh, in the Bibles in front of you. But in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, I want to share with you, first of all, just the first three verses of this passage. And if you're ready, look up at me. All right, good deal. For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now the key to understanding this little passage of scripture here is to understand what the promise is he's talking about. To recognize that the Lord made Abraham a promise. And that promise is found in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out from your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And listen carefully to this part because this is where the promise really comes into play today. And in you, Abraham, the Lord said, in you all, say all, all, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Now, as we look at that promise, we see that it is basically a threefold promise. God made or promised Abraham that he would make Abraham the father of many. He also said that he would give his offspring certain lands. But the big one is this. God promised Abraham that he would bless all the families of the whole world through him. And ultimately, that promise declares the promise of salvation, and it points ahead to Jesus coming over 2,000 years later. Paul drives home this point. This promise has nothing to do with the law. God made this, Abraham, this promise to Abraham, and it had zip to do with the law. In fact, the law as we know it came 500 years after God made this promise to Abraham. So God was going to make that promise happen with or without the law. And he made it happen without the law. God never looked at Abraham and said, you know, Abe, you've been a pretty good dude. He didn't say, Abe, you've done all that I asked, and because you've done all that I told you to do, I'm going to bless you. He didn't say that. In truth, Abraham failed God a ton. Many times, Abraham failed God just like you and I fail God. But Abraham still received the promise, irregardless of whether he failed God or not. It wasn't based on his goodness. The promise wasn't based on how good Abraham was. The promise was based entirely on the goodness of God. And it swung on the hinge of faith. So this tells us that if we're required to keep the law of God in order to receive the promises of God, we find that our faith is crippled. Check it out. Look at verse 14 with me real quick. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. If I believe that I must do certain things, that I must keep certain rules, that I must belong to certain groups in order to be saved, then I am relying on the law to save me. Even if I feel that I must do certain things to remain saved, I'm still relying on the law to save me. However, if I'm trusting faith in the Son of God to not only save me, but to keep me saved, then I know that it's not what I do, but who I know that saves me. So, there's only one key that opens the door of salvation, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is it for you. Are you trusting in what you think you can do for God? Or are you trusting in what's already been done for you? If you're trusting in your works, then your faith is crippled. But also, if we're required to keep the law of God in order to receive the promises of God, we also find that not only is our faith crippled, but also our promises are canceled. Look again in verse 14. For if those are of the law are heirs, not only is faith made void, but the promise is made of no effect. The promise is made of no effect. If you're saved by keeping the law, friend, you don't need the promises of God. Because it's all up to you. I mean, if you can work your way to heaven 
Why do you need Jesus Christ? You just work hard enough and maybe you'll get there. But that's not the way it is, is it? We know that. In fact, let me give you an illustration. Suppose that I promised you $100. $100 if you would climb to the roof of this building, jump off, flap your arms, and fly around this parking lot. Who's willing? Who can do it? You're a liar. <laughs> Maybe, what if I offered you $1,000 to climb to the roof, jump off, flap your arms, and here comes the hard part, fly all around this parking lot. Could you do it? Maybe you need more incentive. What if I gave you $10,000 to climb to the roof, jump off, flap your arms, and fly around the parking lot? Who's willing? Who could do it? Two liars. You need more incentive. I'm willing to offer $1 million to the first human being who can climb to the roof, jump off, flap their arms, and fly all around this parking lot. He ain't that angelic. Here's the point. The reason there's no takers, the reason why there's no takers is because it wouldn't matter if I offered you $1 billion. There ain't no person in this room, there's no person in this world who could do it. Human beings can't fly. Amen? It's the same way with trying to get saved by keeping the law. No person can keep the law of God 100% of the time. It is impossible. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it. No human being can. Now you might say, well, I heard that the Bible promises that there is life in the law. That the law promises life. It does. If you can keep it. If you can keep it all 100%. But no one can. So that being the case. This promise is no effect. If that's what you're banking your salvation on. If we're required to keep the law of God. To receive the promises of God. Not only is our faith crippled. But our promises are cancelled. Furthermore. We also remain Condemned sinners. Look in verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath. If you're trusting in your ability to keep the law of God to get you to heaven, I got to tell you something this morning. You are in an absolutely hopeless situation. If you think that you can do all that God says you must do to get to heaven... You are in a hopeless situation. Here's the problem with trying to be good enough to get to heaven. James 2.10, the Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of the whole thing. Whoever can keep the whole book but you stumble in one thing, you're guilty of 
of all of it. Now, you may not believe this, but when I was young, I could be quite a hoodlum. One time, I remember throwing a rock through an old church window. It was just a small hole in the corner of the window. I mean, I, I just broke part of the window, but the whole window had to be replaced. Do you get my drift? What we have to understand is this. There is no such thing as a little sinner. There's no such thing as a moderate sinner. That's like saying that a woman is a little bit pregnant. Man, you either are or you're not, right? What we've got to understand is this. If you have broken the law of God in one minute area, you're guilty of the whole book. One little area. You're guilty of the whole book. God requires nothing less than absolute perfection for those to get into heaven. And that's the problem with the law. We can't do it. We can't do it. The law doesn't work. So praise God that salvation does not come by keeping the law. It comes simply by placing our faith in a perfect Savior. Now, I want to talk to you about that faith a little bit. I want to talk to you about the power of that faith. If you would, go back to Romans chapter 4, and let's pick up in verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. Say, of faith. Of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now Paul gives us the flip side of the coin. He tells us that salvation being saved by faith is far greater. It's far superior to the law because faith does what the law could never do. You hear that? Faith in Jesus does what your obedience to the law could never do. That's good news. Faith does what the law could never do. Do that with me. Ready? Thumbs up. Faith does what the law could never do. Faith does what the law could never do. That's important. Here's what faith does for you. Faith admits our need for the grace of God. Let's read it there in verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Faith realizes the human inability to keep this law. Faith realizes I can't do it. It's impossible. I can't jump off this building, flap my arms, and fly around this parking lot. I can't do it. Neither can I keep the whole law. Faith realizes that if I'm going to get saved, it's only going to come one way. And that's by the goodness of God. 
The only way that a sinner like me can be saved is by the grace of God. And if it don't come that way, it ain't never going to come. If it don't come by grace, I'm out. You see, that's what grace is. Grace is the unmerited, unmerited love of God towards sinners. Grace is the unmerited favor of God towards sinners like me and you. Grace is the unmerited blessings of God toward people like me and you that can't keep the law. And since salvation is totally undeserved, not one of us in here deserve it. It's totally undeserved. It's based entirely on the goodness of God. The only way we're saved is by the grace of God. Of God, and therefore that totally rules out the whole idea of working for it, trying to earn it, or trying to perform in a way so that I can get saved. It's all Him or it's nothing. It's all Jesus or I got no hope. It's all God or nothing. Faith admits my need for the grace of God. I gotta have it. But faith also assures our soul of salvation. Look again in verse 16. Therefore it is of grace that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure. The promise might be sure. Paul addresses the issue of assurance here. Assurance. You see, if salvation is produced by keeping the law, then no one can ever be sure. No one can ever be sure if they're really saved or not. I mean, think about it. The Bible tells us that no liars are allowed in heaven. Did you know that? Y'all don't look like you believe me, so I'm going to show you. In Revelation 21, in verse 27, the Bible says, But there shall by no means enter it anything, talking about heaven, that defiles, causes an abomination, or a lie. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in here ever lied? What does that mean for you? No hope? Let me ask you this. Was it just one lie you told that's keeping you out of heaven? Was it two lies? Maybe it was a hundred lies. What about the little white lies? Do those count? Is a lie a lie? What if you lie to somebody, maybe you, your wife asks you, honey, do I look good in this dress? You can have either, you can have heaven or you can have grace. Which one's it going to be? You get my point. What about stealing? Any of you ever stolen anything before? No, nah, Brother Bill, I'm righteous as rain. I ain't never cheated on my taxes. No, nah, Bill, I ain't never stolen nothing. All my life, I've given God an honest tithe. I ain't never stolen nothing. You may hide it from your pastor, but you can't hide it from your master. Amen. 
<laughs> I saw that on Facebook yesterday. The Bible tells us that stealing breaks the law. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, that being the case, how much do I have to steal to not be allowed in heaven? How much stealing is enough to keep you out? Ten bucks. Maybe it's a hundred dollars. Maybe you have to withhold a thousand dollars from the Lord to be called that you're stealing. Hmm. Now let's look at the other side of the coin. How many good deeds must you do to be sure that you're saved? I hope you get my point. You never know. Is it just one? A thousand? A million? The bottom line is, if you're living by this law and keeping this law, you'll never know for sure if you're going to heaven. If salvation comes by the law, you can never know for sure if you're heaven bound. And you know, that's really the problem when people believe that you can lose your salvation. Think about this. If I can lose my salvation, how do I lose it? By one sin? No, it's probably at least a dozen, right? A dozen sins after I'm saved will cause me to lose my salvation. Maybe a hundred? Maybe if I forget to confess sin, that one sin, am I then kept out of heaven? Do I have to totally renounce Jesus Christ? Stand up on a stage and totally renounce him? Or do I just have to act like it? Which one is it? I mean, where do you draw the line? How do you know for sure? Is it possible to know for sure that you're saved? Listen to me carefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. 1 John 5.13, God's Word tells us, These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know Say no. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. That verse is crystal clear, friends. That's good news for me and you. Crystal clear. You can be absolutely sure that you're saved. But if I got to keep the law to be saved, I'll never know if I'm ever saved. The only real way that you can be absolutely sure according to that verse, is to believe in the name of the Son of God. His name is Jesus Christ. Now listen carefully. If I sin as a child of God, God will discipline me. See, God chastens those whom he loves. So I'm not going to think for a second that I'm getting away with something. If I sin, I will be disciplined by God, but I cannot lose my salvation. God is not going to unadopt me. He's not going to kick me to the curb because I couldn't keep the law. Because my salvation is not based on the law. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ. Is yours. Is yours. 
See, I need to know that if I sin, I'll be disciplined. But I won't lose my salvation. Why? Listen carefully. If you're listening, say amen. The reason that I can't lose my salvation because it's not mine to lose. It's not mine to lose. I'm kept by the power of God unto salvation, period. It's all about him. It's all about him. So faith admits our need for grace. And faith assures our soul of salvation. But faith also allows all who will to be saved. Look there at the end of verse 16. To all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. See, since salvation comes by faith, it's available to every person in the world. Do you know that? It's available to every person in the world. There are no prerequisites. There are no special requirements. You don't have to get good before you come to God. If it were just for the rich, the poor would have no hope. If it were just for the highly educated, the uneducated would have no hope. But when Jesus died on that cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. Not just me and you but the sins of the whole world for all people in every walk of life, in any situation. Jesus died for all, and all means all. God has thrown open the doors of salvation, and he invites anybody who will to come and be saved, praise God, by faith. But finally today, Faith also acknowledges the power of God to save. Look there in verse 17. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. You see, faith doesn't rest in me. Faith rests in the power of God, period. When Paul described the Lord, he did so in two ways. He said, God makes the dead to live. Amen. I was dead and now I live, praise God. He also speaks the things which have not existed to become a reality. I know that the man that I was could have never gotten to heaven on his own. But praise God because of who he is, because of the power of God himself, he has made a wretched man like me enabled to go to heaven because of faith in Christ. Same thing with Abraham, friend. When Abraham placed his faith in God, he was made alive in God, the Bible says. And he received from God the things that were impossible from a human understanding. He saw his son, Isaac, born when the man was 100 years old. That's impossible, is it not? You think that's impossible? His wife was 90. Impossible. It illustrates the problem with the law. The law can't change a person. The law can't change a sinner. The law can't make somebody alive. All it can do is point the way. But it also illustrates the, the power of faith. Faith saves because faith looks beyond human weakness. 
Faith saves because faith looks beyond human sinfulness. Faith saves because it looks to God and his power. That's the only way we're going to be saved is by the power of God, period. God alone has the power to make a dead sinner live. God alone has the power to bring a person to heaven. We don't have that ability. We don't have that power. It's all God. So what does that mean for me and you today? Simply this. If you ever hope to reside in heaven, you got to learn the most valuable lesson of your life. And that is it's only going to happen if you trust Jesus Christ by faith. That's the only way that it can happen. Your good works ain't going to save you. Your good intentions ain't going to save you. You got to come just the way you are and be saved by faith. See, keeping the law demands that you have an outward change first. Then you can come. But keeping the law that demands an outward change don't do nothing about the heart. It doesn't change the heart. But faith, on the other hand, salvation by faith changes the heart first. And then in turn, it will produce an outward change. Do you get it? Say, yeah, I get it. I get it too. See, at the moment that you give your life to Christ, God begins to work in you. The moment you give your life to Christ by faith, God begins a work inside of you, a work changing you, and he works from the inside out. See, Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners like me and you. So, friend, where is your faith today? What are you trusting in today? Do you trust in your inability to obey the law? Do you trust in your inability to do enough good things to get you to heaven? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross? Listen carefully. Everything in your eternal life hinges on that answer. And friend, if you were to die today and you've been trying to do good, been trying to keep the law, thinking that you're good enough to get to heaven, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. A very sad heartbreaking and rude awakening. However, if you'll just come, come by simple faith, childlike faith in Christ, realizing, God, I can't do it. I can't keep the law. I can't do enough good. Therefore, I'm going to place all my trust in the only begotten Son of God who came to earth to die for the sins of the world. Friend, you can do that today. And you can walk out of this building being absolutely assured that your eternal life in heaven 
Father God, thank you for realizing, understanding, and showing us that without you, there's no hope. That it's impossible to keep the law. It's impossible to do enough good. And Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus today to speak to the one whom you have convicted this 